Ian, welcome to episode nine of Hubshots. How are you? Good, Craig. It's good to be here on this very hot day in Sydney and also it's the first day of summer. It is. It's been a scorcher. Now, we've actually had some feedback about the show from our listeners. Thank you for that. And they've basically said, look, can you tell us a little bit what the show's about? So what's Hubshots about, Ian? Craig Hubshots is really about helping marketing managers, sales directors and people who are considering using HubSpot or are using HubSpot right now. And if you want to find out more while you're listening to this, you can actually go to hubshots.com. Very good. Now, speaking of HubSpot, which we like to talk about on the show, they've actually had some issues today. What's uh, what's What's been the problem with HubSpot? I think a upgrade has gone a little bit haywire. Yeah, it's it's good to know in some ways that even the best companies have their little hiccups. But yeah, the downtime and a few outages, uh, I know some of my clients were affected. And uh, one of the really good things was that they actually had a website set up about it detailing the issues yeah. at trust.hubspot.com. And I, I thought that was really good how they were just very transparent about here's the issues that you're facing, here's the expected delays, that kind of thing. Yeah, you know what? I think that's really key, and I do love that because it shows transparency, and they're not a, they're not hi- trying to hide anything from us and say that the world is all rosy. And I, one thing I did love actually is in the tools everywhere I went, there were messages saying, "Look, this may happen, and this is what we've been experiencing." And there's engineers actually working on this, and I really love that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, obviously didn't like the outages and it affected businesses. You know, it definitely had an effect on businesses. But, yeah, very clear that they weren't hiding the issues. So, yeah, I agree. I thought that was really good. So what what do you think of, uh, of the way they've handled it? And actually, how should businesses handle those kind of events? Yeah, you know what, Craig, and I, I'll tie this back to my time at Macquarie Bank where I used to participate in disaster recovery testing and business continuity. Mm-hmm. I think with all of this stuff, we need to, as businesses, have plans of what we need to do and how we're going to get over this. Because especially if you're partnering, like from what I understood is your one of your clients had an issue. Now, did they have any leeway in that to change things because of this issue that was going on or did they have to still run with what they had to do? Well, yeah, that, yeah that's a really good point, isn't it? They're kind of like, oh people were complaining. Um, No one really had a backup plan for what we could do in the meantime. Yeah. So, I mean, I would challenge our listeners to go, well, what's a backup plan if you've got something critical that's going out and you've got got it tied to advertising? Say you've got something running in a paper, on billboards, on buses. What are you going to do? Is there a backup plan? Can you actually get get something out there and change it quickly without being affected? Okay. So, good point. So, on to our inbound thought of the week. Yeah. You know, I thought I love this point. It says, you know, is it possible to do your do your ten thousand hours in inbound marketing? And there's we've got two links there. One is obviously Malcolm Gladwell. So I think one one interesting is that by the time you get to ten thousand hours, the whole industry has changed. And you know, it's a pretty good point. Things move very pretty rapidly in our industry. Nothing stays the same. You know, we all sit, I guess, as partners, we have to sit inbound exams every year and demonstrate our our knowledge. So it definitely goes quickly. 
Yeah, that's right. I think the the whole 10,000 hour rule, which by the way is just an anecdote I think that Malcolm Gladwell came up with. I don't think that's actually a proven concept or anything, but it's an interesting idea. But his whole focus or point being that if you practice something for 10,000 hours, you kind of got to put in the hard work to get to be really good at it. So it doesn't happen overnight. And I think typical examples are musicians or athletes or ballet dancers or things like that where they, you've got to put in the hard slog to actually get to the top of your game. And, yeah, this point about, well, what? how do you get to your top of your game if your game is constantly changing? I mean, SEO is a classic example of something in an industry that's changing all the time. And as you've, you've mentioned, um, AdWords and other things like that. So you put in your 10,000 hours. Hours, but are you actually at the top of your game anymore? And I guess the the point we were when we were discussing that's all around. Well, it's not so much ten thousand hours into the tactics you employ, but ten thousand hours practicing your approach of adding value. Yeah, I love that, Craig. That's that's a great way to put it. Well, we'll come back to that a little bit later in the show, but let's move on now to our HubSpot tips of the week. And we've actually got a couple this week, don't we, to do That's with right. HubSpot workflows. Yeah, I love this first option. It's about testing option in workflows. So in here, when you actually set up your workflow, what you can do is actually run a test at receiving all the emails in the workflow. So you, you can basically see what people are going to receive and you can actually be experience that before it hits somebody yeah nice nice tip and i think was it last episode of the week before we we're looking at um the campaigns tool in hubspot and it has a test option as well um, where you could send an email to everyone in your team to tell them about a campaign and here's another option hubspot has in their workflow where you can test a workflow sending emails all to yourself so all, they've always got these little things hiding up in the top right of screens that you can use to make your life a lot easier yeah, and you know what? Again, this if I'll tie it back to business continuity and disaster recovery mm. is you're making sure that something doesn't go wrong along the line by doing that test. That's exactly right. So uh, moving on, the second tip, I really like this. Uh, in terms of setting life cycle stages in workflows, I, I'm not sure if people are aware of this, but HubSpot is very protective of the life cycle stage of a contact. Uh, so this is the life cycle stage as I'm sure people know, is that whole kind of subscriber to lead, to marketing qualified lead, to sales qualified lead, to opportunity to customer, to evangelist and other, that kind of progression that people go through. And setting lifecycle stages, actually HubSpot protects you from yourself in some ways. So let's say someone's a customer in a workflow, uh, you might have a, a, a workflow item that just sends, sets them to a sales qualified lead. Well, HubSpot's actually good. It protects you because if they're a customer, it won't let you downgrade in a sense, their lifecycle stage. It won't let you kind of set a customer back to a lead uh, accidentally. So the question though is, or the tip rather, is like, what's if you actually do want to do that? How do you, in a workflow, downgrade someone's lifecycle? And actually, it's reasonably easy to do it. If you definitely want to do it, what you do is you have a step beforehand 
which clears out their life cycle stage. So you actually, in the workflow, you clear out their life cycle stage and then in the next step you can set their life cycle stage to something could be lead or something lower. So that's uh, that's a second tip. And number three, Craig, which I really liked, which I think you've run into issues with before, which is the workflow branching prompt. Yeah. So workflows added branching, I think a year or two ago, I think it was last year's uh, inbound, they might've mentioned it. But when they did it, so branching is really cool. But the reason I've avoided it generally is because branching if you ever deleted a branching step, it used to delete everything below it, which I found incredibly frustrating. But a couple of months ago, they actually added a feature to improving workflows where if you remove a branch, it actually now gives you the option of what do you want to do? Do you want to remove everything? Do you just want to remove the no part or the yes part so um, you don't lose everything below? So that's a great improvement and a quick tip to workflow branching. If you've avoided it in the past, you can actually start looking at it, implementing it again because it's uh, much improved. Mm. And I think another quick one, Craig, is that I guess this is, this is more about did you know is that life cycle stages are automatically set to lead if a person fills in a form. Yeah, and I think I didn't uh, – I was a, I kind of observed this happening. I wasn't aware that it was obviously programmed in there, but we'll give a link to where it talks about it. But I think, you know, that's – be aware that that's happening in the system. Yeah, good point. It's actually, a, a, it's almost a best practice that uh, HubSpot forces on you. You fill in a form, they're a lead. Well, it is, isn't it? It's a point of conversion. So Yeah, and and we should just mention, as per that previous comment we meant, if, if they were already a, a higher life cycle stage, they're not going to get set back to lead, obviously. It's only if their life cycle stage wasn't set. So a new contact fills yep. out a form, they're set to a lead automatically. Yeah, so I guess... From this, uh, I would challenge people to say, well, what workflows are you using? And um, if you've got none, go and build some. And I'd encourage you and we'll share the resource, which I think I spoke about a few episodes back where HubSpot has on their blog the top 11 workflows that you can implement in your business. Yeah, good one. All right, let's move on to our challenge of the week. And we're just going to pick up on Brendan's challenge from last week and just a few few more details on that. Do you remember this one from last week, Ian? I do, Craig. It's very fresh in my mind. <laughs> That's right. So Brendan, one of our listeners, wrote in and he said, look, he's having problems. One of the challenges he's had is when contacts, email addresses get overwritten. And so we contacted HubSpot support and they've actually come back with a, a knowledge base article that actually details, yes, this is an issue and actually we don't really have a good workaround for it, unfortunately. So the reason that we're mentioning it here is because it's good to know about this. And the point is that, and this is detailed in this uh, knowledge base article that we'll link to, is that when people fill in a form or, and, uh, or visit it first comes to the site, uh, HubSpot puts a cookie in their browser. And so that's really useful because it kind of ties their whole activity with that cookie and then to subsequent actions they take, like filling in a form. The issue, though, is if someone comes and uses that same browser and fills it in with other details, because that cookie's there, HubSpot ties it to that contact. So they put in a new details. Well, those aren't actually added a new contact. They'll update an existing contact record. So that's the challenge and Brendan raised it and HubSpot Sport have confirmed it and so they're, they're really the only workaround that will actually work is to remove the whole cookie 
function from forms. If that is an issue that you're running into, you can, uh, when, when you're actually building your form, you can turn off cookies so that it doesn't tie that cookie to the visitor. So that's just a quick update on that. Uh, unfortunately, that issue continues. And um, I was actually looking for a way, uh, I haven't found an answer to this, but this is another thing I've raised with HubSpot support, a way of actually checking, is there any way to actually find a list of contacts who have had their email address updated? So at least then you could try and find contacts that might have been affected. I haven't actually come up with a solution to that yet, but that's kind of the, the next step that we're looking at. Yep, sounds good. All right, opinion of the week. I'm going to save this one to episode 10, which is our next episode, which we're going to talk about marketing industry trends for 2016. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. It's going to be a cracker, Craig. (laughs) There will be mention of Internet of Things and virtual reality amongst others. That's right. Interesting. How do they relate to marketing? Well, you've got a really good example, so we're looking forward to chatting about that next week. Let's move on then to our general tip of the week. And this is around A-B testing. Did you see this blog post about AA testing? What did you think of this? Again, it highlights what you can actually, like obviously numbers, numbers are numbers, right? Yeah. And you're testing two, you're testing two things against each other. So, and it can be misleading, right? Yeah. So, so what this article was, it was basically this guy, he set up AA testing, which um, is kind of like he ran two tests on something, but the tests were exactly the same. So he made absolutely no changes to all his tests, like whether he was testing something on a page or something in an email. But he, the only difference was he actually calculated them in separate occasions. So what was really good and what was really interesting about this was he actually found testing the same thing actually gave different results with a different set of users, right? So his point is when you read these amazing conversion improvements that people get from A-B testing. And the the canonical one is they tested a red button instead of a green button and their conversions went up by 20%. Well, what he did is he actually tested a green button and a green button. And one of the green buttons was actually 20% more. It's actually just because that was happened to be the visitors that were saw that particular test. There was nothing else different. Why I think this is such a great tip is because it just highlights the real danger of digging into statistics without full or full analysis or really understanding what's going on. So the action item from this is just really be aware that the, any testing that you're doing may be misleading. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I think you just got to <laughs> got to be aware of these things. It's a great post. You should read it um, because he gives some great examples, and it's quite a humorous writer as well. So he he does. Uh, I love the one of the headlines at the end how he had a three hundred percent increase. Yes. Uh, statistics, statistics, and oh, whatever it was, lies, damn lies, and statistics. Yeah. All right, listener tip of the week, Craig. Yeah, so this is a new uh, section we want to add to the show. If any of our listeners have tips, like we're trying to provide tips, but if you've got a really good tip, especially if it's a really good HubSpot tip, we'd love to feature it on the show and give you a mention, a bit of a shout out. So please leave a comment or use our contact page to uh, write in and um, let us know your tip. Excellent. Or you can even use Twitter. You can use Twitter, definitely. All right, state of inbound. 
So the state of inbound item of the week, we, we've actually slightly renamed it. What have we What have we named it this week? The Content Marketing Institute Australian Content Marketing Report item of the week. Yeah, that's pretty punchy, isn't it? It is. It's got me tongue twisted all around. <laughs> you did well there. So each week we normally pull out a little nugget from HubSpot's state of inbound report, and we've been doing that for the last nine or so episodes. Actually, this is episode nine. For the last eight episodes, we've been doing that. But for episode nine, we're actually now looking at the Content Marketing Institute's content marketing report, and specifically because they've got some stats around Australian marketers. Although we do have a caveat around that, don't we? Yes. So 3,714 people responded to this and 146 were in Australia. So we're talking a very small sample size. Yeah, but there's still some interesting stats that have come out. And what have we we got this week? So let's go page six, right? Mm. 81% of marketers say they use content marketing, which is down from 89% last year. So again, we're talking statistics. Could be based on numbers and around, but again, slight reduction. Slight reduction, but still by far the majority of the marketers yep. that responded using Which is really interesting marketing. because if I think about people that we talk to, I would say that that number is about 20%. Right. Yeah, I guess though the reports were compiled by the Content Marketing Institute, so there's probably a bias towards those kinds of marketers responding, yep. in which case it's probably more interesting that 20% didn't use content marketing and they're responding yeah. to a Content Marketing Institute survey so that's right anyway so let us uh content i'm just going to give you a little definition of content marketing right content marketing is a strategic marketing approach focused on creating and distributing valuable relevant and consistent content to attract and retain a clearly defined audience and ultimately to drive profitable customer action i think that's a very it's a great succinct definition yeah i really like it and i'll just highlight one thing it's this uh, approach focused on creating and distributing yes. valuable content because often people work hard on creating it but they don't put much effort into distributing it and content marketing definitely has to include the distribution or the amplification or uh, part of um, getting content Absolutely. out there yeah couldn't agree more all right, page 15 said 90, 92% use social media content as part of their content marketing tactics. So that's very high. That's very high. That's good to see, but also, yeah, uh, very interesting. Yeah. And then on page 17, finally, it says 86% use LinkedIn, 79% use Twitter, and 76% use Facebook. Mm. So again, I guess there's a bit more of a skew here towards B2B stuff mm. with people using LinkedIn. Um I definitely think Twitter is interesting yeah, because, again, Twitter you can, I guess, micro-blogging and the ability to reach people directly. I think that's the that's one of its great powers. Mm. But they're all reasonably, you know, it's in within 10% of each other, all Correct. up in the majority, so very strong social usage. Yeah, really interesting. That's really where a lot of, a lot of the activity is going. Yeah. All right. And motivation, Craig? Okay, so motivation of the week. Now, I've actually pulled this from that same CMI report we've just been talking about. And on page seven, this was how uh, respondents described their content marketing maturity level. And get this, uh, out of the out of um, five different brackets, um, 3% described their content ma- uh, maturity level as sophisticated. 
that was the the highest uh, kind of rating. 27% said mature, and then the rest were kind of not that good. Adolescent, young, or first steps was the rest. So basically 70% of people were saying they're still getting to grips with content marketing, basically. The mm-hmm. reason I thought this was good in Motivation of the Week, I was like, oh, great, because if you, well... If you're like me and you think, oh, you can always be doing better and everyone's so much better than me, that kind of thing, it's like, well, only 30% of people actually thought they were better. Most people actually don't think they're they're that great at content marketing. It's kind of newer to them. They're still getting a handle on it. So like that's that's motivating. Like you can actually, if you actually work really hard and get a bit better, you're actually going to be in the minority and you'll actually get the most benefit from it. So uh, focus on maturing quickly and, and the advantages of being in that min- min- minority section of people. So, yeah, that was kind of uh, an interesting stat and motivating for yeah, me. Yeah, you know what? And I think it ties back to this whole 10,000 hours we're talking about, you know, be the master. Yeah. Keep practicing. Make it better. Do the 1% increase every day. Yeah, that's right. Good point. All right. Resource of the week, Craig. I love this one. It's a Moz content marketing guide. So we're going to give you a link to that on on moz.com. Really a lovely put together piece of content. And then with that, there's also a content strategy template to go with it. Yeah, this is really good. There's a few things I liked about this. One of the things was like a guide, a beginner's guide to content marketing. Like, hello, this is not a new idea, right? There's lots of sites have been writing about content marketing. But here's an example of where Moz have said, right, we're actually going to do this really, really well. It's an excellent guide and it's getting shared and linked to by many people. So it's a, even if you're in an industry that's crowded and there's like everything's been written about before, there's always someone that can do it better. So think yeah. about if that's you, you in, in your company, you can do it better and stand out. But then the other thing is just that it's really useful content. You know, it's really good. I was reading, you know, you and I both know content marketing pretty well. And yet I was reading this going, yeah, this is great. Great reminders. Oh, yeah, that's something that's, yeah. And that, You know what I love about it, Craig? Yeah. It's the whole thought behind it. So they've really used imagery really well. Yes. And they've broken it up really well. So it's really easy to read with standouts and great graphics in there. So they've tried to make it a bit... Got a, looks a bit cartoony, but really gets the message across. It's sophisticated cartoons. Yeah. And really, I really I really love that. And the way they've even done the whole chapter list, again, you know, hats off to the, whoever designed this. It's really, really nice. Yeah, really well done. And um, Carl the Content Cat there, yeah. So I love Carl the Content Cat. <laughs> yes. It's really good. So check that out. That's a really useful resource. All right. So our last item of the week is... Community item of the week. Um, and, and I do like this. Yeah. So Showcasing another fellow Australian. Yeah, exactly. So this is the, we're going to uh, point you to the Content Sells podcast. By the way, do you listen to a lot of podcasts, Ian? I do. Yeah, I do too. So I think it's mainly because I, I do drive around a bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're good bite-sized chunks of information that you can just consume while driving around. Yeah, well, I, I I like going for walks and just listening to podcasts or if I'm working out, that kind of thing. Actually, next week what we should talk about is some of our favorite podcasts because there's a bunch that are really, really valuable for marketing managers. 
Yes. Um, but this week, we're just going to focus on the Content Sales Podcast, and this is put together by Susie Daphnis and Michelle Falzon. And Susie Daphnis is probably, well, she's pretty well known in Australia, and uh, she runs the Australian uh, Business Women's Network. Actually, she's good friends with my wife uh, as well, and I, I know Susie, and She's put together a bunch of podcasts in the past, and this is a new one that she's doing. It's really good. And this week, we're just linking to episode 11, where they talk about the step two secret. Do you, do you want to mention what the step two secret is? All right. The step two secret basically works out on the premise of providing the next step to your ideal customers, customer right at the moment of their greatest interest and need. So here we're talking about using the opportunity you have when, say, someone fills out a form, goes to a thank you page. And you're basically saying, well, what would be the next step that I can give them? Maybe they're interested in a consultation, right? So they've downloaded something or they've got the guide, but they're like, well, that's great, but I'd really love to talk to someone about how I can use this. Or maybe it's like, would you be interested in having a demonstration? Yeah, that's right. And HubSpot does this quite well. Like they'll go and they'll download something and they say, hey, how about a... Demo of HubSpot. Would you like? Would you like like one? Yeah, it's and that, so they're making they're making use of that next step. It's kind of like as um, Susie and Michelle say in their um, little handout, they say kind of say striking while the iron's hot. So someone's shown interest, they've filled out a form, and then taken the to a thank you page, and it's really optimizing that thank you page for the ideal next steps, isn't it? And it's and it's kind of like it's a bit of a well, duh, kind of item. But then I was thinking, oh man. These, this is why I love these tips because I was thinking through a whole ton of the thank you pages I've done. And generally in a thank you page, it's kind of like you'll see this by far the majority of times. There'll be, hey, thanks for signing up for this. Please check your inbox. Um, yes. We'll send it to you in a couple of minutes, full stop. And yeah. it's kind of like what a wasted opportunity. And this is um, this the podcast episode that they talk about. They give a whole bunch of examples and they actually link to a nice little download that has 10 examples of really good thank you pages where people are basically given something valuable and then given a next item that's more valuable to them again. Yeah. So it's not about hitting you up with uh, going for the sale or anything like that straight away. It's really about providing the next step of value. So really useful. So uh, check out that podcast. Uh, yeah, nice and uh, nice, easy to listen to and lots of tips there. So Craig, I think in summing up this whole episode, you know, it all comes back to the value that we're adding in our businesses mm. and it's all about being the masters and doing your 10,000 hours, so to speak. But practice in providing the value and, um, and be the master at doing what you've been called to do. That's it. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode and Ian, good to chat with you. That's about it for this week. Thanks, Craig. I think next week it's the episode 10, which is going to be a highlight and we're going to talk about marketing trends. So definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, looking forward to it too. Till next week, Craig. Thanks, mate. See you, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.